0: What powerful songs (laughs) as we sing and just raise our hearts and our praise and give glory um, to God. The other night I was on on Netflix and I saw this. Maybe some of you have seen this documentary. I was kind of scanning some stuff and I saw this documentary called Minimalist. Has anybody seen this? Minimalist? It's a documentary of some individuals, two guys that that have caught this epiphany that the less they have, the more they've got. You know, to live in this in this state of less is really more, and and I was caught by it. I started I started watching, and I'm like, this is this pretty interesting, you know. So I started I started watching it, and and you've probably seen this on TV where a lot of people are downsizing. Have you seen some of these homes that are like like 20 square feet, you know, that people are living in? It's like a smaller than a bedroom, you know. It's like they're like really small houses, and what they found is they have found that they have less stress because they're not. They don't have all the stress and all the, um, you know, all the whatever that goes into kind of living in, in, in a bigger home and with with more things and stuff like that. And so there's these guys are talking and they're going around the country. They've written a couple of books, which I'm going to actually buy a couple of them. Just a, I just want to I just want to read it. But, it, you know, and and there's this one guy on there and we're talking about individuals that were in their just their 30s right now. They just kind of discovered this, you know, this this epiphany. And there's this one guy on there and he's talking and he says, I mean, he really climbed the corporate ladder. I mean, he was at the top of his, where he worked. I mean, he was in, in the financial side of things and he was in New York and Wall Street and he was really at the top and he, uh, his, his, uh, uh, it was, I think it was around Christmas, I think. And his, uh, the person he reported to called him in and said, hey, we're giving you another promotion and, and, and with this comes this salary and all this. And it was like at the top. And it's like he walked away from it and he started crying like, and he said, his, his thought was, I'm trapped now. I have no place to go. I'm in it. I'm all in it. I've arrived and I'm in it. And these guys are having this, and, and he ends up walking away from it. And these individuals are having this, these, this, these epiphanies, these, these, these clarifying moments within their lives where they're like, this isn't what it's about. This isn't life. This isn't living. And I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm feeling convicted. I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I've got the answer. And I still struggle. I mean, these guys are like, I mean, they're talking about just like They're talking about how uh, their mothers, their families, and, and one of them was talking about how his, his mother went through um, severe alcohol abuse. and Now she's like in stage four uh, lung cancer. And he's just, he had this moment where he's like, I, I, I'm just not there. For, I wasn't there for her. And I'm thinking, i I've got the answer. In fact, I preach it. I preach it every week. And yet I struggle with it. I know you think I'm perfect, and I this is kind of a really crushing your Christmas right now, right? And it's like, I just sat there and I was convicted because I was like, it's so easy to get caught up in it, right? It's so easy to get caught up in it. It's so easy, and especially this time of the year, it just kind of maybe that's what it was—the heaviness of of kind of this time of the year where you're really thinking about these things. And I'm not wanting to put the you know put a damper on anybody's Christmas season and gift giving and things like that, but but I'm sitting there watching this and I'm having this moment where God's like, "This is stuff that you, this is what you're you know you you talk about. This is the stuff that you, you 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 say that you're you know that you're teaching," and I'm and I and it just really hit me hard. And then I started really thinking about it. I'm thinking about tonight's message, and I'm like, holy cow, where do I go now? Because I already had something prepared, and now I feel like something else is kind of intertwining there. But so, if this hopefully this comes out and makes sense. That's my goal, okay? That this all makes sense. But I want to share with you a couple things, because this whole concept of being a minimalist and having this epiphany that, that there's more to life, isn't that what us Christians have, have said all along? We, we've gotten it. We've gotten it, Right? As a Christ follower, we're saying there is more to life. It's not about climbing the corporate ladder. It's not about success. It's not Life is not defined. Success is defined very differently as a Christ follower. That's what we say. But for some of us, we get sucked right into it, and it doesn't look any different. For instance, like a few years ago, not too many years ago, 89% of Americans, and I get that this has probably shifted immensely when you look at our world today, but not too many years ago, 89%... 89% of Americans says, I believe in Jesus, who He claimed to be. They would go on to say, I believe He was the Son of God. I believe that Jesus Christ was God. Come to earth in human form. 89% of Americans claim to believe that. Now this, again, this is about 10 years old, okay? I get that things have shifted, but even 10 years old... That is an extremely high number of someone that would say, I believe Jesus, I believe in Jesus, I believe who he claimed he was, that he was the Son of God, and I believe that Jesus Christ was God who came to earth in form. I think that's pretty huge. I think that number is absolutely startling. And, And the reason you know why I think that is because I think there's a lot of us that are living our lives. In a, in a race, I feel like we're living our life. I feel like at times I'm living my life in something. At times where I got to catch my breath and say, "Wait a second, I'm getting caught up into something else here. I'm starting to chase after something else. I'm starting to think some other things. I'm starting to pursue something else that I think is going to bring me happiness. I think this over here might bring me joy. And next thing I know, I'm I'm kind of over here, and it's like it's like I have this this moment like it was through this movie. Like, wait a second, I'm kind of getting off maybe off point a little bit here. But here's what happens, though. Because when we get off point, that's when we lose the peace. That's when we lose the hope. And this is what everybody's searching for, is the hope, peace, joy, love, this sense of fulfillment, this sense of significance. Every single person in here, there's no way anybody in here could say, I don't want to feel significant. I just want to feel worthless. I highly doubt anyone in here would would say that's what I'm going after in my life. I want to be worthless. Right? I get that bar would be low and that would be easy to attain at times, right? But I doubt any... I think everybody sitting in here says, I want my life to have meaning. I want my life to have purpose. I want to experience joy. I don't want just happiness. I want long-lasting joy. I want peace. I want fulfillment. I want to mean something. And this is where the body... This is where the, the Christmas comes into play so much is because this is exactly why God became incarnate. This is exactly why God became incarnate to, to show a couple things that I want to share with you this evening. Just four or five different things very quickly with you here this evening. I'm going to share with you a passage of Scripture found in Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 8 through 11, okay? It'll be on the screen here, and it says this, and there were shepherds, this is a very familiar passage that we read at Christmas time, and it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields. They were living out in the fields, they weren't just out there, they were living. They were living out in the fields, that was their occupation, keeping watch over their flocks by night. By the way, back up one slide, real quick. These shepherds, it's, it's, it's been suggested that these shepherds were actually watching sheep for more of the elite. For their sacrifices, okay? So some of the sheep that they were watching were just not, weren't just just sheep for regular people. These could have been herds of elite sheep, okay? Does that make sense? I don't know what that adds to it, but I just felt compelled to share that with you, okay? And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Maybe they thought they were at their height shepherd, you know? Like, I've arrived. I'm watching the, the sheep, okay? You know, the sheep. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I'm bringing good news. This is the theophany. I'm bringing good news. And here's what I want us to focus on. Two things here. Because he sa- it says this. Cause great joy for all. The... Back up one slide for me. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. That will. what's it? Go- I, it will cause great joy. Not just for you but for all the people, for everyone, for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. When I first read that a few weeks, not first read it, but I read it a few weeks ago and I was thinking about tonight. And that passage, that verse, that last verse caught me. That last, And I want to share with you, I want to share with you a couple of points, but real quick, I just want to share with you why it caught me, and then we're going to unpack it a little bit. But it says, it will cause great joy. This news that the angel was, was presenting, this theophany, this, this angel of God, not theophany, but this angel of God came and he said, this, this great news, it's going to cause, number one, great joy, okay, to all people, okay? He's, it's going to provide great joy to all people. And then secondly, he said this, do not be, he says, um, today in the town of David, a savior has been born. Now, real quick, let me ask this, what caught me was this. Number one, this person, or this baby, this announcement, this news, will cause great joy. But the second thing that caught me was this. They used the word Savior. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. When I read that, the thing I thought of was this. Do I need a Savior? Who says that I need a Savior? Do you need a Savior? Because when we start asking that question, we start getting a lot of different answers, right? I mean, now we're starting to have some different conversations. Now we're starting to have some conversations that get a little bit emotional, right? They get a little bit heated at times. Who says that I need a Savior? That implies that something is I need saved from, right? That implies that something's wrong. That implies that I'm maybe not who I think I am or there's something possibly wrong with me but it's it, 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 there's an there's an uh the implication here that says that we need a savior. Now I want to share with you a couple of things of why it's going to cause great joy and then talk just very briefly about the savior part because it's, uh, the, what I want to say is this this savior will cause great joy by a couple of things. Number 1, it will cause great joy by revealing what God is like. Okay? That's the whole personhood of Jesus right there. The whole personhood of Jesus was to come in flesh to show what God was like. Incarnate. God incarnate. This is who God is. Have you ever had those moments in your life where you just kind of got it in your mind? You know what I'm saying? Have there been times in your life where you've been living your life and you've been going about things and then all of a sudden something just kind of like strikes, your, strikes you and you're like, holy cow, I understand now. Whatever it is about something. Where you just kind of, it seems like all the cogs line up perfectly, and you have this moment of enlightenment, and you're like, I, I get it. I get it. I think there's sometimes we have it with, with scripture, where you read a passage of scripture over and over and over again, and then there's that one time you read it, and it just, it just, everything lights up, and you're like, wow, I just got it. This, this sense of, You know, this makes sense now. I know, you know, whether it be something in my life, now I understand certain things that's happened in my life and why it all adds up to what it is now. Now I see it much more clearly. Now it makes sense. One of the first benefits, if we could use that word, one of the first benefits of knowing Jesus Christ, blessing may be the better word, one of the first blessings of knowing Jesus Christ is He replaces confusion with clarity. There's a, I mean, if we would, if we would sit down and have a conversation, I would ask you, who is God? What's God like? I bet you we would have a few different definitions of who God is, what God looks like, what He's like, how He acts, where He lives, how He interacts with people, right? It, and, and there's times where we look at things and we, and we use other people's definition of what God is like. I think there's a lot of times, just like with romance and some other things, Hollywood is like the textbook on defining everything for us. There's times where we look at God and the way we view God is the way Hollywood portrays God to us at times. It's like, you know, like I said, with romance and things like that, it's kind of the same thing. But what happens is, over it, it, this, we can have this big convoluted picture of what God is like. Who God, it's the way it was before Jesus came. I mean, they have this, all kinds of different ideas of what God was like and what we should be doing. The law just kept getting expanded and expanded and added to and added to of what we, the people should be doing to please God. Everything became confusing. The Bible says, in one translation, it says, Understanding God's Word brings light to the minds of ordinary people. Another passage says that Satan binds the minds of people so they cannot see the light, that which is the good news about Christ who shows us what God is like. Why is it so important? Why is it so important for us to know about God? Because it's really hard to trust someone or, or, or love someone when we don't trust them. It's really hard for us to, you know, to trust someone that, 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 we, don't, that we don't really trust. And if we don't know who God is and we can't trust him, It's really hard to just kind of put ourselves out there to God and say, God, here I am. Here I am, man. Take my life. I trust that you're going to bring meaning to my life. It's a big deal. It's important. It's extremely important to understand who God is and what he looks like. That's what Jesus does. Jesus came to give a clear description, a clear picture of who God is because he was God. And this is where it's interesting. Jesus says in John 14, anybody who has seen me has seen God. Anybody who's seen me has seen the Father. Thomas is one asked the question. And Jesus replied to him and said, Hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Therefore, how do we know what God looks like? We know from reading the Word of God that God's a loving God. Because why? Because Jesus was a loving person. We know that God is a forgiving God because Jesus was a forgiving person. We know that God is a graceful God because Jesus was, ino- it was all about giving grace to people. Jesus was all about it. And, and as Jesus had become incarnate, as we as we spend a few moments here worshiping Jesus, we know who God is because He was God. Colossians, Paul writes in Colossians, Christ is the invisible image of the visible God. He says, I want you to know what I'm really like. Guys, if you want to experience joy in your life, look to the baby Jesus. And not just the baby Jesus, but look to the life of Jesus. He is God and God incarnate and when we understand that and when we um and when we succumb to his leadership that's when this this joy peace hope all these things come flooding in our souls because that is what he reveals the second thing or that's what happens is that he brings this he causes great joy another way it causes great joy is that he reveals God's plan he reveals God's plan he came to tell us the truth he came to to do that by informing us that there is a plan and purpose for our lives. You know, probably one of the biggest things where we get derailed as individuals is when we start buying into those lies in our head—that mental speak that says you're really not worth much. How do you? How can God love you when you're over here having these thoughts? How can God love you when you're and you say that you love God? And we start down that path, and Satan comes in. And he starts he starts playing the mind game with us. Paul talks about this extensively through his writings, how it's a mind game. And it's a battlefield for the mind, and we've got to be very careful. But the, but the issue is this. We have purpose. We were created for purpose. And see, this is where it gets all tricky, because when we get off point, when we lose sight That we, when we lose sight of God's plan, understanding that I was created for a specific purpose. I was given specific gifts. I was given specific talents. I was created for a purpose. When we get off point with that truth and we don't, when we start missing out on God's plan, that's when the joy, that's when the hope, that's when the peace starts dissipating and that's when we start running to everything else trying to find that sense of fulfillment and peace and hope and joy only to come up empty-handed. Because the only thing that can fulfill that is the life of Jesus and understanding that we were created specifically for a purpose and that God absolutely adores us. God says, I have a plan for your life. We read throughout Scripture that it says, God's secret plan has now been revealed to us. It is a plan centered on Christ, designed long, to, long ago. And this is His plan. At the right time, God will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. We were created as an object of God's love. Paul says that when he thinks of the wisdom and the scope of God's plan, the only thing he can do is fall to his knees and pray to the Father and bring glory to the Father. Jesus brings great joy we sang about it this evening. We just sang about it a few minutes ago. the joy that, that just overcomes our hearts when we understand and, and we allow Jesus to flood our souls and to flood who we are and to understand we were created for a purpose, and we were created for a divine purpose that we 're not an accident that Psalm one thirty nine is very real that we were created that God knew us before before we even started to form. we have purpose and we were created to be an object of god's love the next thing is this jesus reveals the way john eight twelve. and again this is the stuff that when it says I, it, he's going to cause great joy he reveals the way john eight 12, i'm the light of the world if you follow me you won't be stumbling through the darkness for living light will flood your path there's many times where we don't see we can't see out and if we can trust God, there's this sense of security and peace that comes our way. Just a few minutes before our service, we prayed for another individual that was going to be having surgery this week. When we go into surgery and things like that, it seems like there's this—you know—we we, we trust God, but man, that's 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 you're putting yourself out there. There's that sense of there's that sense of you're putting yourself in the balance. There, it's like, you know, and, and, and it's like you just feel kind of vulnerable. But that's where the trust comes in It says this, even though I may not see, I can trust God, and I will trust God, and I will trust Christ with my life, and I will trust Him through this dark time, whatever it may be, whether it be a surgery, whether it be something else that's happened to our life, where some news came to us this past week, or, or coming up or whatever, where we may not see the answer, we may not see the other side of it, but we still can have this sense of joy. Because of the presence of Christ in us and the joy that He brings understanding that He is the one that gets us through this. Even when we know that we're going to experience distress over many things within our lives, we can experience that sense of fulfillment, that sense of security through the life of Christ and the joy that it brings. The other side of it is the term materialistic things. Which some of us can do. We turn to materialistic things. We turn to other things. We make idols out of other things, which fails us. And we come up empty time again and again. Jesus says, I am the light. I will show you the path. I will show you the way, which brings incredible joy. Now, let me shift over to the Savior. Remember, it will cause great joy to all people. Now, let me share with you. Let me talk to you a few moments about a Savior. Because I ask the question, "Do you need a savior?" Because the implication there is that we do need a savior, that things really aren't the way they should be, that things aren't the way that God, you know, initially designed, or things aren't the way that that that, um, that, that is is the proper way. He reveals restoration. He reveals restoration to us. John 12, Jesus says, "This I did not come to judge the world, but to save it." Jesus said, I didn't come to tell you how bad you were. I didn't come to start laying out judgment against you right now. I didn't come to do any of that. I came to save you. You need a savior. I came to save you. That's what brings great joy at Christmas time when we can sing those songs of joy to the world. Our savior has come. Joy to the world. Oh come Emmanuel. Oh come Emmanuel man. Things aren't good. <laughs> things aren't good. Oh come Emmanuel and save us from these things. Be our savior. Christmas talks about bringing tidings of great joy. For unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, when we talk about saving, we often talk about salvation, right? We talk about the word salvation. Some of us have been in church for a long time will say things like this. I've been saved. Well, I got saved back in 1992. Or I got saved back in 1967. Or I was at a Bill Gaither concert and got saved in 19... Whatever it is, I don't know. And I'm not making fun of Bill Gaither, Okay. I'm just saying that we'll use those words, I got saved. And we tie it with eternity, which that's part of it, correct? That's definitely part of it. But what about the span between now and eternity? What about the times that you and I are living in this life when things aren't going the way they should? What about the times when our children... Get sick. Or some other person that we love, their children get sick and they pass away. Or someone is involved in a, a horrific car accident. Or someone takes their life or anything. And we stand at a funeral and we say what? We say, this is not how it should be. This is not the way it should be. What about from now until eternity? Jesus comes and reveals this, this, this himself to us as a savior to say, I'm here to, 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 to walk with you. I'm here to help you with this hopelessness, hopelessness that life brings. I'm here to offer you hope. I'm here to offer you peace. I'm here to offer you, uh, joy in the things that come from the throne. The Bible says in Psalm 103, He forgives all sins and He heals me. For unto you born today is a Savior. I would ask you this question. How would you answer this? Do you need a Savior? Do you need a Savior? Are you okay? Or do you need a Savior? And not just a Savior one time, but a Savior that's going to take you from now through now until eternity. Do we need a Savior? The last thing I want to share with you is this Jesus reveals, brings great joy by revealing uh, through who He is as a Savior, true life. Now, this is the one, this is the one we should all hang on. I mean, we hang on these other ones, but this is the one that we're all searching for is that true life. Regardless of our age, regardless of how, the things we 've been involved in in the past, the things where we, it doesn 't matter where we 're at, we are all searching for that true life. John Ten says, "Jesus, I have come to give life i didn 't come to give religion i didn 't come to give you another way of doing something. I have come to give life in life of, in all its fullness. Can you imagine what the first audience would have heard when Jesus said that? Because here they were living in this system where everything was just pressing down upon them, where they couldn't be good enough. They could never deserve it, nor, nor can we. That's why we need a savior. But they're hearing this, the con, they're hearing this constant message that you're not good enough. You're never going to be good enough. You've got to do this, that, and the other, which the, it was so, it was so heavy on them. There's no way that they could earn anything. They, there's no way. And Jesus comes and says, I'm bringing you life. I'm going to bring you life. I will give you life. I'm not going to give you another set of rules. I'm not going to give you another another sense of religion. I'm going to give you life and fullness in life. No wonder you had prostitutes that went in, their lives completely changed, that would go in the same room with Jesus and literally bow down and worship at His feet. No wonder you had people that just dropped everything, who they were, and walked away from it to follow someone that said, I I want to give you life. I'm going to give you life and life to the fullest. I don't know about you guys, but that's what I'm searching for. And I know that's found in Jesus. And I know at times my humanity may get in the way. There's times where my humanity may take me off mark a little bit. But I also am reminded that Jesus is a very loving, and He's he's very loving and He's my Savior, willing to forgive me uh, as I repent and confess. and, and, And He's willing to forgive me. Jesus says, I've come to give life, new life, abundant life, eternal life. This new life, meaning that we can start over again. This this sense of abundant life that, that has meaning, it has purpose, it has significance. And then there's that eternal life. Remember, we just talked about that. That's what I was talking about. It's like, what happens about with life now? Not just eternity, but life now. Yeah, we're saved Those of us that place, those of us that are placed our faith and trust in Jesus, we're saved. We could say, I'm saved. I'm saved for heaven. But what about now? Jesus says, I've come to give abundant life. I'm not preaching health and wealth. I'm preaching that Jesus has has his promise, brings us the good news, bringing us this sense of abundant life, this sense of this new life where we can have and understand purpose in who we are. Jesus says that when He shines, the Bible tells us that this darkness in our lives disappears as the new light of Christ shines in. The Bible also says this, when anyone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore, and a new life has begun. As the worship team comes back, we have a tradition that we do every Christmas, Have you been here. And that's lighting our candles as we sing Silent Night. Sometimes we do traditions, and traditions, we can lose the meaning of them, because that's what we just kind of do. And repetition sometimes causes us to lose a sense of meaning. It can. It doesn't have to, but it can. Tonight, I want us to think about what we're doing. I want us to think about when we light that candle, that it represents the birth of Jesus coming into a dark world. Leading up to this point, there had been 400 years of silence where God didn't speak with his people. There was nothing, absolutely nothing. There was the promise of Messiah, but there was no movement, no word, no nothing from God. Can you tell me what that must have felt like? The, the, the bankruptcy of, of their spirituality, they must have felt. And then it happened. The light came. And we talk about that light. We talk about how that light dispels darkness. And I would ask tonight that as we sing Silent Night and we light our candles, that we would understand that what that light means. What does it mean to you? Does it cause great joy within your life? Do you find life? Do you find abundant life? Do you find that, that new life? Do you find that eternal life? Do you find that life where you you understand the way, the plan? You understand you have a purpose in life. You understand what it's all about, that the birth of Christ brings light into a dark, dark world, brings hope, joy, peace, love, His presence into a dark world. Why don't you stand, and we're going to sing that song, Silent Night, and I pray you would just use it as a time to worship God and to respond to Him. What you're holding in your candle, holding a candle, what you're holding in your hands right now, some of you are looking for. Some of you are looking for that light. You're searching. And Jesus is saying, I'm here. I, I can reveal the way. I can bring you life. I can be your savior. I can give you incredible amounts of joy. I can give you what you're looking for. Some of you tonight, you're, you are as close to what you're looking for and you're holding it in your hand right now. And here in a few minutes, I'm going to pray. And if you've never allowed Christ to have your heart, that's what you're searching for. All these other things are okay to minimalize our things, to, to, all of these other things are okay, but it's not going to give you what you're searching for. And you're holding it right now in your hand. Two inches away from your heart. Some of you that have been following Jesus for years, your light needs to be brighter. And it's really not the light. It's what you're doing with the light. You are called, we are all called as followers of Christ to go into a dark world and allow Him to shine through us. We have what others are looking for. God wants to use you in a very powerful way this Christmas. In some shape or form. God wants to use you. And you're holding in your hand what He wants to do. He wants you to allow Him to shine through you. Do you need a Savior? And what I mean by that is this. Some of us, we think we've got it figured out, but we really don't. Even following Christ, there's times where he still needs to rub some edges off and he wants to be able to shine in and through us. I pray I want to pray and I pray that regardless and there's some of you in here right now that your light's burning bright, you are there you are allowing God to have freedom within your life and I pray that you would continue because Jesus is using you in a very powerful way, maybe ways that you don't even know, but Jesus is using you. But I'm going to pray here this evening for those three different, with three different ways that someone, maybe it's, maybe the light is in your hand. This is what you're searching for. Secondly, for someone that's been following Christ, but God wants to use you in a much, much more profound way. And you're blocking it. You're blocking it. And then third, there's some of you in here this, this evening that's not blocking it. And you're on fire. And you need to keep on fire. Let's pray. Jesus, thank You so much for this evening. Thank You for the message that You gave us 2,000 years ago. And it's still alive today. You. For some of us, we're searching. Father, would You please allow that person to see. Allow that light to just bright, bright? shine brightly and may they have that moment that all these other things is not what's going to bring them what they're looking for, but it's this light that's found in You, that You are that light. Father, if there are those in here that we've been following You for a while, but truth be known, we're blocking the light with certain things that You may want to just (laughs) rub the edges off on us so that You can shine brightly through us. Father, may we just surrender ourselves to you and allow you to be our savior again and father those that are bright shining brightly please just continue to allow them to shine brightly and let them continue to just allow you to use them in a very special way i pray that wherever we're out on this journey father that tonight we would leave here making a decision making a choice and so i pray for each individual in here this evening i pray that they would find what they're looking for And I pray that this Christmas would be a very powerful, intimate Christmas for them. As we blow out our candles here this evening, Father, we just want to give you thanks. And we're going to close with one last song. And I pray, Father, that all that we have done this evening has brought you great joy. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and worship this evening. In his name, amen. You may blow out your candles.